ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. Last month, Ypulse, the leading authority on Gen Z millennial opinions and behaviors, released their latest tracking report on young consumers' behaviors related to gaming. Mary Lee Bliss, Ypulse's chief content officer, is here to break down what it all means for anyone who wants to understand how gaming fits into young consumers' lives. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I am so glad we get to dive into this report. We've had offline conversations about gaming and how important it is in our attention economy. So I'm glad you've done the research and gotten the data to help us bust some myths and highlight some opportunities. But before we dive into our conversation, can you give listeners a bit of context about Ypulse, who you're surveying, how many people, how old they are, where they are, how often you're talking to them, and what this generally means about margin of error? Gladly. Ypulse is the leading authority on young consumers, Gen Z and millennials, and a little bit of Gen Alpha now. We are constantly surveying young consumers in both North America and Western Europe. Each of our surveys is conducted among 1,513 to 39-year-olds in North America. That's in the US and Canada. That's the data we'll be talking about today. All of the data is nationally representative across age and gender and race and ethnicity. So we're looking at a really slice of the population that's reflective of the real world and near real-time data, small margin of error. Fantastic. So for the top part of our conversation, I want to walk through some commonly held myths about gaming. And I thought we could go through them and set the record straight. And the first and maybe foremost is gaming is a male only activity. Truth or false? Absolutely false. How absolutely? (laughs) How absolutely is pretty amazing. The fact that people still have this idea is pretty shocking, especially since we've been banging the drum over here that girls game, let me say it louder for the people in the back, (laughs) for quite some time. But 92% of young women play video or mobile games. So it is not just girls game. It is almost all girls game in some capacity. So really mobile gaming has made gaming so much more mainstream and young women fuel mobile gaming. How many hours a week? I mean, so they do it, but what are we, do do you have a feel for how much people are gaming? Absolutely. So I, I We'll first say that they're far more likely to be mobile gaming than playing on console or computer, but female gamers are also on console and computer. So 40% of uh, young females play on a console and 34% play on a computer on a weekly or more often basis. So that's not at all. That's just the number who play weekly. So it's, it's significant. And then when we look at the amount of time that they're spending on gaming um, for each of the different ways that you can play, when we look at mobile games, we see that those who play mobile games females tell us they're playing around seven hours a week. And that's a self-estimate. You and I talk about this all the time. They underestimate, right? So it's it's going to be more, right? So, and and just, um, so seven hours, this is women gaming on mobile, just so we don't want to leave the fellas out. uh, What percentage of, of men game? 
boys and men game? Yes. So men are more likely to be gaming. So 98% of young oh, men. golly. So pretty so much. It's truly all of them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but again, 92% of females, 98% of males, over 90% for both. Um, yeah, it's huge. And so for male gamers or game players, we see that yes, console and computer are higher than females, but they are also most likely to be playing mobile. Oh, um, interesting. But I will call out that for those who play mobile games, male and female, females are spending more time playing mobile games every week. So they're playing almost seven hours and males are playing self-estimated almost six hours. So those females who are playing games on mobile are, are actually more engaged and devoting more time to that than males who are playing games on mobile. That's crazy. I just want to put mm. that out there, how how crazy that bucks all of the sort of known thoughts or the the myths that are that are yeah. put out there. Yeah. I'm curious how do you think the continuum runs for in real life sports mm. and to to esports? Do like, have, will you- we do ask about esports in our sports survey? Oh, um, so it's considered a sport. Sports is so specific. Like esports is a competition. So we ask about esports in our sports survey, which which allows us to do some comparisons, and it's kind of earth shattering for some people to see just how many young consumers would rather watch esports than traditional sports. Are the male yeah. female split on esports? Is it? It's definitely male heavy. So that might be influencing why people are feeling the way they're feeling. Sure. Gaming. Absolutely. Next commonly held belief. Gamers are all hardcore enthusiasts. Mm. We're going to go with false for this one. (laughs) Well, I suppose if you're talking 92 and 98%, the question then is what percentage of people who play games describe themselves as gamers? Yeah. At Y-Pulse, we ask them to self-identify. So we have a question in the survey, agree or disagree, I am a gamer. And that's a different approach than many in the industry even take, where mm. identifying a gamer is about how frequently um, they're ga- they're playing games. But what we've found is with the self-identification question is that the identity of being a gamer and the act of playing video games are not the same thing. Well, and there's so about, a cultural identity around it. So in 100%. terms of if you're selling, you want to really understand that self-identification. So here I'm curious, do more, what's the, do women identify as sure. gamers? Okay. Okay. So 66% of all young people agree with the statement, I am a gamer. So it is a lot, but it is clearly not as many as those who play video games. Right. Right. It's 98% of young males who agree I am a gamer and 53% of young females. So it over wow. half. We wow. have to underline how significant that is. But well, so can also- I can I can I just ask though? So it's 98% of men play game, they play mm-hmm. games, and mm-hmm. that same percentage identifies themselves as gamers, or it's of the 98 who play games, 98% call themselves gamers. So is it a subset or? No, it's not a subset. It is of all young people. Wow. So 95% of all young people play video or mobile games. 66% of all young people agree I am a gamer, call themselves a gamer. So there's a gap there and it's a culture. 
But um, of the of the men, when you said ninety eight percent of men call themselves mm-hmm. gamers, and you said seventy eight percent of young men call themselves gamers. Oh, seventy eight. Okay, I mm-hmm. miss I misheard you. Okay, seventy eight. My bad, because I was like, yeah. "Holy smokes, it's exactly oh, the yeah, same." That is- That's why I was getting confused. <laughs> okay, so so given we're looking at seventy eight percent and fifty three percent gaming. And the cultural identity around gaming must spill into other influence, other interests, and must influence other behaviors. So this is why identify self identification would would matter. I would imagine. So how does it how does it impact other things? Yeah, it is so interesting to look at the way that gaming spills outside of that screen. I think that a lot of brands outside the industry don't really think about how gaming is influencing them when they're away from the console, away from the computer, away from the app. But we ask young people, what has gaming influenced in your life? And when we look at gamers, they're more likely, those who identify as a gamer, Mm -hmm. they're more likely to say that gaming has influenced the TV and movies that they watch, more likely to say that it's influenced the music they listen to, the products they buy, the brands they use. So certainly there is a an engagement and a passion about gaming that makes sense if you're calling yourself a gamer that you're more likely to have. Mm-hmm. And so you're more influenced by those games. So interesting. One of the other things that people say is gaming is an expensive hobby. I mean, these consoles are are expensive. So, I mean, I guess what are the percentages? Is it all, is it heavily console? What are, what are we talking about? Yeah, it's important to look at that breakdown because the way that they're influenced by games and the things that they're doing are so different depending Mm. on where they're playing games. Right. When we look at weekly players, so different from those who identify as gamers, right? But it's the the frequency and the amount of time that they're playing that that matters so much uh, because it's more of them. Right. 55% of young people play video games on a console weekly or more. Oh, wow. 46% on a computer weekly or more, and 71% on mobile weekly or more. Wow. Okay. So I think that I would say gaming is an expensive hobby. False. Absolutely. I would also say with the gaming subscriptions, if you're thinking that's an expensive hobby, it really depends on what context you're putting it. An Xbox Game Pass ranges in price from $10 a month to $17 a month. $10 a month is what someone might spend on coffee and a muffin in the morning. Right. Um, so for young people, that's not an expensive thing to pay when you get access to everything you want for that $10. How, how many people do have subscriptions? Speaking of subscriptions. Yeah, I think this is another place where people outside the industry might not understand how much gaming subscriptions have become the norm, have become a necessity for those who play on console or also for some who play on mobile. It's paying to have access to the games. The idea of going to GameStop and buying games individually is very much a relic of the past. 68% of young people who play video games have a gaming subscription. So it's the majority overall, and they have an average of two each. So it's it's kind of like having a Netflix and a Hulu, right? Well, I was wondering how many, so they have, they're carrying two gaming subscriptions. And can you remind me in terms of entertainment, uh, non-gaming entertainment subscriptions, how many they're averaging carrying? When we think about the universe of subscriptions, how many subscriptions people 
all told are carrying? So we do have an idea of how many streaming services they subscribe to at one time, and it's around three, so a little bit more. That's really interesting because if you think an average of of two for gaming subscriptions, an average of three for streaming services, if you're a digital publication and you're trying to get some of those subscription dollars, they've already got five and toss in a dating app. How many? (laughs) How much (laughs) room is there? I I think that'll be an interesting thing to watch and the churn uh, there. Another commonly held belief is gamers are only interested in violent games. Oh, absolutely false. (laughs) Okay. So which games are people playing? Yeah, I I think the conversation around violence and video games is, again, kind of feels like a relic. There are so many different kinds of games. And when we look at favorite games for males and females, certainly there's violence in there. Call of Duty is number one for both males and females. Really? And this is an open-end caveating it is an open end question because we couldn't possibly have a closed end question with every single game so an that open exists end, so an open end question call mm-hmm. duty most for men and women we don't look at percentages for oh, open oh. end because it's um, yeah. more okay. qualitative yeah right, right, right. Okay. we look no. at it as a ranking all right give me the top give me the top 5 Yeah, absolutely. And then we can talk about gaming types because there's other ones in there for sure. When we're looking at males and females combined, just all young people who play video games or mobile games, Call of Duty is number one, followed by Fortnite, then Mm. Candy Crush, then Grand Theft Auto, then Roblox. Minecraft follows right after that and Super Mario Brothers. So you can see that there are violent games on there. Sure. Grand Theft Auto doesn't have a reputation for being a peaceful game, but Candy Crush, Roblox, Minecraft, Super Mario, even Fortnite, well, yes, there are guns and it doesn't have to be a violent game. I recently saw a headline about someone who leveled up on, I believe, Call of Duty by picking flowers the entire time. You can make these sandbox open world games pretty much anything you want, violent or not. And when you look at those top games, it's really a mix of ones that lean into violence and are centered around it and one that are really about fun and uh, building things and exploring. Um, I think it's important also to look at the genres of video games that they play. Right. Well, and it also, that, that flows nicely into gamers are socially isolated. They're in their basement playing these violent games. So we know they're not playing violent games, but are they alone in their basement? Again, false. (laughs) We're really, we're really busting the myths. I think it's really interesting to look for those who identify as a gamer at how gaming plays a role in their social lives and their friendships. Because the stereotype about gamers, as you just said, is they're by themselves. They're in a basement. They're not playing with others. Right. But those who identify as gamers are actually more likely to say that video games help them to be social. In fact, 73% of young people who identify as gamers say that video games help them to be social. Video games are absolutely a part of young people, Gen Z especially, their social lives and their friendships. And with games like Fortnite, Roblox, Minecraft, they're actually hanging out with friends inside of video games. So they don't even have to be next to each other, but they're still spending time together. 
Is there is there a social media tie-in? Is there a social media that's LinkedIn? Do they have their own chatting spaces within that or or no? Yeah, absolutely. So Discord is often used as a way to talk while you're in video games. And then of course there's there's chatting through games as well. But if you're wanting to talk to friends, there's a lot of different platforms and tools that can be used. Discord probably one of the most popular. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Another belief is that gaming is, is passive like TV. Mm, That's an interesting one because you are sitting in front of a screen, right? But I would say false. Okay. (laughs) Again, first of all, you're immersed in this world and you are actually being active in a very small way, but you are being active, right? Physically, you're moving your Mm -hmm. hands, you're thinking in a very different way than letting content wash over you. You are participating, making choices, making decisions moment to moment. It's just naturally something that's far more engaging. You can't just sit and absorb. Although I will say there are games like Red Dead where it's almost like watching a movie at points. So that, that is integrated into it. But generally speaking, no, you really do have to be in the world. You have to be thinking in order to be playing the game. Well, one of the things with with television that as social media emerged, television people became concerned around second screening, that people weren't attending to the programming because they could do other things at the same time. Would you say that similarly in games you can second screen? No, it's incredibly difficult to second screen while you're playing a video game. So that really puts gaming in a unique position for brands. There's less distractions because you need to be engaged. You can't be as passive. The majority of young people tell us that they're usually doing something else while they're watching TV, but that's really not a possibility when you're playing a game. You have to be focused to some extent. But how do how do consumers feel about a brand showing up in the game? I mean, are, are some, first of all, is there an opportunity? And then if there is, do they like it? Yeah, we have been, again, banging this drum for a very long time. I think maybe five years ago, maybe more, we wrote an article saying that the future of marketing is inside video games. That continues to be true. Young people, because they are so engaged and so immersed when they're playing, they are more likely to be paying attention to the brands that appear. It has to be done in a certain way. However, if it is done right and you integrate yourselves into that world in a natural way, it's not a pop-up, it is not intrusive, it's built into the story, or even better, it enhances the experience, say, with a Roblox brand experience, of which there are many, where they can explore, there's activities. Yes, absolutely, they are open to it, if not positive about brands being in those spaces. Okay. So, so there, if it's built into the story, so in some ways it's authentic to the world of, of whichever game you're talking about. Absolutely. I think people still think about ads and video games as disruptive pop-ups, but really what's happened, especially with sandbox games is that brands and many of them have really taken this opportunity in the last few years. You can build a little world of your own inside of those games. And those brands that are trying to reach Gen Z are doing that on a regular basis uh, in these open world games in order to provide experiences 
services and virtual goods that will really entice people and make them brand fans outside of the game as well. Let's make it a little concrete. Can you give me an example of somebody who, a brand that did it well? Yeah, absolutely. So there are so many, (laughs) we have many articles about this, but one of my favorite examples that I, I go to a lot is, so Forever 21 is an example that I go to a lot. I think it's a really smart way of using gaming and gaming experiences to better your brand, both in those open world spaces, but then also offline as well. And I think it's also interesting because when they first created their Roblox world, um, they stumbled a little bit out of the gate. They had some criticism around the style and design of their of their products and their experience there. But it really through consistency and improvement became more and more popular. And what they've actually done is released real world items that are based on items they've tested in Roblox. Wow. So in celebration, and they did this last year, about a year ago, actually, in celebration of being in Roblox for one year, they released hoodies and t-shirts and this really popular beanie, forever beanie that they had had virtual versions of in real life as a limited edition accessory collection. I thought that was such an interesting example of how the metaverse and gaming worlds can be testing grounds for brands and also build that fandom and build that consumer relationship virtually and have it translate into a real world one. So question for you, are there opportunities or are there any examples you can think of where brands have participated in not a sandbox metaverse gaming world? Like has anybody participated that you're aware of successfully in Call of Duty? Mm. I don't have as many great examples of that. I think because often those still do feel disruptive to some extent. I think the safest and kind of, I mean, it's not easy by any means, but an easier sell is to provide these experiences in Roblox and metaverses like, like Fortnite. Um, where there are so many brand examples of sponsoring skins and launching islands. It's really about providing that experience. And in the open world games, because the storyline isn't set, preset, you're really exploring, there's an opportunity to build something completely original in those places. What percentage is, is playing in open world games? Do you have that? When we look at the genres of video games that they play, shooter is number one, followed really closely by adventure. So there you're talking about your Call of Duties, your Grand Theft Autos. But right after that is open world sandbox, which is Roblox, Legends of Zelda. And that's 35% of those who play video games play open world sandbox games. Wow. And both men and women you had mentioned earlier are mobile gaming. So is there are there brand integration opportunities in mobile as well? Yeah, I mean, all the games that I've been, I was talking about, Roblox, Fortnite, these are played on mobile as well. So they are mobile games. They're really cross-platform. So if you you are participating or sponsoring something in Fortnite or or any of these games that are sandbox worlds, that's mobile as well. It's, It's definitely not just puzzle games like Candy Crush or Bejeweled. 
Interesting. Well, so thinking about the Candy Crushed, Bejeweled kind of games, they're very similar to what a lot of brands are sold in terms of buying an experience. Come into (laughs) Dunkin' Donuts and play our game. Do do consumers like that as well? Did you investigate that? Proprietary games. Right. So we don't ask specifically about brands having games, but... We do know that there have been some brand games that are successful. I mean, certainly if you're a media brand, you're more likely to be successful there. You've seen Netflix has been experimenting with their video games with Stranger Things probably being their biggest success, but certainly not something that has grown as fast as I thought it might. Mm. At one point I thought, we could have an experience with Netflix where their games are living side by side with their movies and you're choosing one or the other. The well, yeah, platform. it's interesting that the given that gaming can influence content, it'd be interesting then for the content to spawn games. That would be an interesting flywheel if they got it. Yes, and it's definitely happening. It's just, I think, a little bit in its nascency still. Mm-hmm. But definitely we see that you know, media brands have had success with that. We've seen brands partner with games in some really interesting ways. Beauty brands certainly have have done that and sponsored either games themselves or or esports. We saw HBO has turned shows into games. So again, media brands really usually at the kind of the forefront of that. Fantastic. This has been so interesting. And I really think that we've really busted a lot of myths. You've been banging the drum, as you said, for a long (laughs) time. And so maybe this time it'll stick. But people are not second screening. They are very engaged. This is a huge opportunity. Absolutely. All brands should be thinking about what their gaming plan is. Thank you so much for joining us today. (laughs) Thank you. We've reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend Rob Naughton, the voice artist who recorded our open, and of course, all of you, the members of our audience, thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.